Shut up and sit down. Am I in here? Am I in here? Let me know if you can't hear me. Well, obviously, you wouldn't be able to hear me say that. So let me know if you can hear me. That would be better. That would be much better. I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I don't see my partner in crime on, uh, well, my current partner in crime uh, on the board. Um but I assume she's coming. We're going to talk about uh, <clears throat> the subtle fix-it uh, this evening. And it, it came up because somebody asked about the theme for next year's Quantum Bang. The Quantum Bang is always, 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 always going to be about fix-its. That's the whole point. That's why we called it Quantum. Um, it has some deep scientific meaning that I kind of forgot. But at the moment, it was, like, brilliant. <laughs> you know, so... There she is. There she is. Um, I need to get, I am like all over the place, you guys. I am all over the place. I didn't send enough boats to get my task in township, and I was a watermelon short. It was really irritating. That probably makes sense to like, no sense to like 99% of you, and I'm sorry, but for those of you who get it, you know how frustrating that shit is. Anyways, <clears throat> We were talking about the quantum bang, as one does. And like I said, it has some deep scientific meaning at the time when we talked about it, when we named it. It, it, right? it did. You know, it was, <laughs> it, it, was, it was a ripple thing. It was a ripple thing. <laughs> there was a quantum not thing. Fu- and not fudge ripples either. <laughs> <laughs> Although I wouldn't turn down fudge ripples right now, just to be honest. Um, I'm out of ice cream, uh, even sugar-free ice there's cream. Nothing, uh, there's nothing wrong with um, fudge, you know. I had a hot fudge Sunday, actually, so I'm. Wow, you I'm, just I'm blew all your that. carbs for the day on one thing. Oh yeah, and maybe tomorrow <laughs> too. <laughs> I was informed by my dietitian that it doesn't work that way, and that I can't save my carbs up. <laughs> just in case I thought yeah, I, I could. <laughs> yeah, I can't. It, it, this is this is not Weight Watchers. You don't get to have uh, get to use all of your leftover points at the end of the week. It doesn't work like that. It, it's eat it, eat it or don't get. Although it's, I've never, I can't think of a day I've ever come under. <laughs> that doesn't no. happen. I'm usually sometimes I'm a couple uh, I'm a couple digits over to be honest. Uh, not double digits over often, but you know. I don't deprive myself if I really, really want something, because I think when you do that, it makes it worse. Yeah, I agree. 
just trying to mitigate the damage right elsewhere so i'll have a piece of cheesecake and then drink a whole gallon of water (laughs) (laughs) yeah something like that yeah so there was a question about um and it's come up actually more than once we're going to do an announcement on rough trade about next year's quantum bang but it is the same thing always it's it's the because it's not fandom specific or pairing specific or anything that kind of narrows the focus a little bit um we we wanted to come with a, a really big trope to hang the the um the whole challenge on. And I think other than canon divergence, uh, fix it is probably one of the biggest tropes. And the reason we picked any theme at all is because in my experience, challenges that don't have some sort of focus don't do well. Um, it's a weird thing. People think they want to do whatever they want. And then you give them the opportunity to do whatever they want and they don't do anything. <laughs> right. I think that, part of the reasons why um, our current challenge on our RT was so low participation for our average, you know, yeah, is because they didn't have, we didn't have a specific theme on. Yeah. Just sequel. You would think that I would have thought sequel would have brought a lot of people, wanted a lot of people to, a lot of people, because we've got a ton of prior participants. Um, and I, I say a huge vast majority of them have talked about wanting to do a sequel to this or a sequel to that. And I think that it's wound up being, um, I was delighted by it, but, uh, and I know a lot of people who, who did sign up, but relative to our not usual number of signups, it was pretty low this time. So mm-hmm. um, lack of, and, and I've just, I participated in bangs that were just kind of write whatever you want. Uh, they get a lot of signups and very few people cross the finish line. Um, the less focus there is, a lot of times it's just, it winds up being a, um, it, it just winds up being an, an issue. So we decided we didn't want to go with n- nothing, but we wanted it to be really broad. And that's where we, um, why we picked, Fix It, because Kira and I both love Fix It stories. It's a major trope for both of us reader and writer and so it will be the mm. consistent theme but maybe in the future if there's interest we could do a fix it in a certain fandom one year maybe you know like all the harry potter fix it or all the mcu fix it and after endgame we might all need an entire challenge dedicated to fixing the mcu <laughs> i don't know what's gonna That's happen true. i don't look forward to it but i like the openness of it right now you know the the openness of just to fix it and you know, get to get to fix your own fandom. You know, it's um, it's nice. Pick your fandom, pick your parent. And I don't think it hurt us. That we didn't have a fandom focus. I wonder that if if it would because, um, not it's not us. It's like would it it would really limit participation when you narrow the fandom down because there's just no. Right. Harry Potter's probably the biggest fandom. Um, it's the biggest and it's the biggest turnout already. This this um, trade, time yes. is Harry Potter. And it's the biggest turnout on the Quantum Bang. It's going to be Harry Potter from what we've seen so far. So, um, 
you know, Harry Potter is the most likely, but there are a lot of people who don't write Harry Potter at all. They don't read it. They're not interested in it. So I think it's fun to yeah. keep the themes on RT because um, of the way the challenges are constructed. They're, they're, they're short-term challenges. Where the Quantum Bang is a long-term challenge for a lot of people that, that you work on in the background. And um, so, I don't know. I like the idea of keeping it really open with just the theme. Yeah. And some people have already kind of jumped on and started working on their next year, which is why some people wanted to confirm the the theme would be the same. Um, and it will be. So if you're wanting to get going on your next year's story, you can go for it. And, you know, for people who are starting now, you can't, you know, there, you can write two. So don't, you're not limited to writing one fix it. It'd be, I mean, if I started in April, it might be really hard to hold on to my story for a year and three months. But, you know, if you get you, – you, you, you do what you're inspired to do. If I started right now, I would probably turn over a 200K project for next year's Quantum Bang, and my my betas would probably string me up. <laughs> We'd ask her to break that motherfucker up. <laughs> well, I broke the last you know. motherfucker up. Into three parts. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And that worked well. It worked great. But what we talked about, um, what I've been thinking about, is how people approach a fix-it, and they approach it huge. They do time travel, and I'm guilty of this, too. Um, They... uh, they started really early on in the canon, like Sirius getting raised by Harry or um, Sirius getting raised by Harry. That's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Harry goes back that's, in time that, to raise Sirius into a better travel. person. <laughs> yeah. You knew what I meant. <laughs> I told you I'm all over the place. Um, but still funny I, I've had a very frustrating experience in the in the background on um, Wild Hair and eventually on Rough Trade because the front end posting mechanism has its own color scheme that I can't edit. So I'm having issues. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, and those of you who are posting currently on dark, on, on Wild Hair are aware of these issues. And I'm sorry. I I hope you can get through it okay and. Uh, please know I am working my ass off on it. I just don't have a solution right now to that dark on dark thing, and I don't even. I'm working. <laughs> Trust me that I'm working on it. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'll figure it out. Even if I have to hand code that fucking page myself. Anyways, which I'm perfectly capable of doing. I just don't wanna. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't want to. Um. <laughs> The big fix-it is very alluring. Um, we all like time travel, especially in certain fandoms. Um, and that is the big fix-it, right? It's like, man, this motherfucker needs to just be erased. Let's travel back in time and do it over. Um, there's, you know, scorched earth fix-its where a character, like, you know, tears everything down. Um, goes on like a gets mad about something or whatever and just goes through and I would say darkly white is a scorched earth fix it <laughs> but it's also time travel so yeah it I think a is. lot of time travel 
time travel lends itself to scorched earth in a lot of ways, but some people just go scorched earth. Um, um, I wouldn't call Lady Holder had, um, I, I believe it was an EAD this year, right? Earthquakes was an e, didn't, wasn't that up for EAD? I think so. I think, yes. that's yes. a, that I wouldn't. It's not exactly a fix it, but it depends upon how you look at it, right? But it's definitely scorched earth. So, um, and the reason why it's not exactly a fix it, but it, again, it depends on how you look at it. Because we've always said you have to be able to explain your fix it is because the impetus for the scorched earth was a problem of her own creation. Um, and you can go read that. I don't want to give you spoilers if you haven't read it. But there is, it is a scorched earth thing. It's up on her site. Um, but the reason that Tony Dinoza goes scorched earth is, is is not a canon element. But I will say that you could look at it as a fix-it because a lot of shit gets fixed. <laughs> so you can introduce a problem that is not canon and make a change around that. And then the ripples of that change cause the fix, which would be kind of where that is. The opposite way is you implement a fix, and then the ripples create change. So you can kind of go either direction. And that's more of a um, making a change, using a non-canon event to create a change, and then that ripples out. And that can be um, something immensely satisfying about a scorched earth kind of thing. Uh, and when you see that in the MCU where like Tony Stark just gets pissed off or fed up and just tears it all down, uh, it's immensely satisfying. Um, but like the Holder says, it is not subtle. It is not the subtle fix it. Um, I would say I wrote a subtle fix it with you for the quantum bang. I mean, it's a one moment that ripples very. Yeah. 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 It, I, your moment is subtle, but your changes very, are immense. Eventually, yeah, it ripples. Yeah. The ripples pick up momentum, and until until everything is different. What do you mean you can't hear the radio show? I'm like, what? is she not here? <laughs> are you in the car? We just set you up with a podcast um, thingy on your phone. I have one. Ca- I, I use CastBox. Works great. What's CastBox? It's an app for um, podcasts. I listen to a couple of different podcasts, and that's just um, the backup podcast I, app I use. And it does pick up blog talk, but I'm not sure if it will pick up live broadcasts. Uh, I don't know about that. Hmm. Because blog talk sucks. <laughs> it's terrible. Why well, don't mm-hmm. use it? Um, but you can make a really small change, or a really small fix, or something. Fixes a change, but so, not all changes are fixes. So it's that's why I use different word there. But you can do something very tiny, and then let it just ripple out. Let it just kind of roll. Roll. Just roll um, through and just see how it evolves. And that's that's a very it's a it's a little bit more of a subtle approach to a fix as opposed to um now some I would say some um some fix it fix it's are also my even mine that started with a very small moment 
that just kept gaining momentum. It, all, of the, all the changes were on the surface. You could see all the fixes rippling out, right? It was, there was nothing subtle as those ripples started happening. But you could do a fix that was almost like under the surface where it wasn't apparent really what the changes were, how the ripple effect was. It was all kind of happening behind the scenes, although you have to be careful not to rehash canon when you do that. And then it's more like a wave picking up momentum that you really see the effect of it when it crashes on the shore kind of thing. I'm not logical, Jasper. You can't spit logic out of me on a Saturday night. Really on any night, but yeah, no most kidding. especially on a Saturday. <clears throat> Anyways, and then I gave her advice about how she could listen to the podcast that she's not currently listening to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Later on when you're home listening to this podcast, you'll get that advice. Yeah. <laughs> and and you'll roll your eyes at us. So, you know. But um I let's let, let's do some examples of some subtle fixes and and how they would ripple out. I I think that would be fun. Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, usually the way I I I would approach for me I would approach a subtle fix or a subtle change is having like a single moment be different, have a character notice something that they didn't notice in canon, not actually change things, but it's just more a matter of perception being different. Another way to approach to me a subtle change, a subtle ripple. Now, this could be subtle or not, which is you insert a non-canon character into the events and they could create very subtle changes and cause things to slowly change, or they could be like a catastrophic element. It just depends upon how you approach that. So um, how about we do noticing something or some sort of like minor departure from canon in during the Avengers? Since Endgame's about to be around, because we do like to fix things around the Avengers because that way we don't get to the shenanigans. Right? They're, they're so infuriating. Um, and that's going to be our thing in um, November anyway, so that'd be cool. Um, now, the thing about the subtle change is that your ramifications of this subtle change don't have to be subtle. No. And most often they won't be because the thing about a tsunami is it might start small, but it gets huge. Mm-hmm. We don't. We. I. I would never write a fix it. I don't. I don't think I would write an Infinity War six. And this is just because I would read them, but I wouldn't write one because I'm not interested in writing in the MCU when it's already that fucked up, unless it's time travel. <laughs> Unless it's time travel, time travel is different. That is like that, but that is not a subtle fix. It so I know I could no, not write, by any means. I couldn't write a late canon um, fix it for the MCU because I'm not interested in it. It's already too fucked up. It's like for me writing past season eight in NCIS. It's like it's already so fucked up by that point that I can read it, and that's completely different than me trying to 
make sense of the fact that that canon even exists. <laughs> you know, as I'm writing, okay. my suspension of my suspension of disbelief is in a completely different place as a writer than it is as a reader. Um, but okay, yes, I want to say one thing I'm, about the thing about Wanda and the stone. The moment that Thanos got control of the time stone, everything was lost. There was no going back from that. The moment he had the time stone, he had the ability to move backwards and forward in time. So it would not have mattered when Wanda destroyed the stone. Because Thanos could have just turned the clock back a little bit more and still got it. Because he knew where it was. He knew it was on Earth. So the moment that Doctor Strange gave Thanos the time stone, the snap was a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have to see doing what he. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> was that a sneeze? Yes, that's how I sneeze. Yes, and fuck you. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> makes fun of me, and now it's on my podcast for the whole world. Not the whole world because not the whole world doesn't listen. But you know. Yeah, it's, it's a cute little squeak. It's a, qu- it's a cute little squeak. <laughs> um, my husband calls it a mouse sneeze. The, the first time I did it in front of him, he goes, one day your um, your head's going to explode when you do that because <laughs> you're just keeping it all in. Let's see. Yeah, okay. Dark, <laughs> Dark Serafina says, fixing late canon MCU or season 15 of NCIS is like trying to repair a dent in a car body when the engine fell out 50 miles back. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. It's like, why yeah. are you bothering? <laughs> You you can think you can get the body looking good, but you've got nothing running here. <laughs> um, I will say I don't even when it comes to late, really late, because I've read some like season nine, ten, eleven, twelve type seasons of NCIS. I've read some six and that. When it gets a little bit past that, it's just a big hard stop for me. I'm not interested. <laughs> it's like. There's no point in fixing this shit. This, it, this didn't jump the shark. The Meg should have eaten it. <laughs> so, think about a subtle fix in the MCU. Um, there's that moment when Thor and Loki are hanging off the Rainbow Bridge, or whatever it's called, the, the bridge, the, the Bifrost. Um, yeah. And Odin grabs Thor's hand. And Thor is holding on to Loki, and Loki lets go. What if Odin reached for Loki, too? What if he reached out to his son like a father should have, despite what Loki had done? Would would Loki have let go? I don't think he if he didn't. And if he didn't, and they got them both back up on the the broken Bifrost, how would that have changed what came next? What came next immediately? I don't know. It, it would it would have really made things like chill out a lot, but it could have actually rippled into an anti fix <laughs> because. Um, 
without Loki falling into Thanos' hands, it would have been a short-term fix. But without Loki falling into Thanos' hands, they don't have the Chitauri invasion at that in that way. And I think there's something to be there's a, there's an argument to be made that Loki botched that invasion on purpose. I mean, I've read that in stories, but I think it actually makes a lot of sense because it was not well done. An invasion over New York so public publicly that they could so easily shut it down. I mean, a well-aimed surface-to-air missile at Stark Tower would have stopped that invasion, right? But so, here's the thing about the invasion. It was completely unnecessary. Thanos wasn't interested in culling half of Earth at that point. He wanted the Tesseract. Well, Loki right. could have stolen that. He didn't need right. to invade Earth to take it. So it was, I don't even know what that was. The invasion was odd, and but it could have been... Um, that um, he knew that the, the time stone was there as well and that he needed the um, um, the foothold. Maybe he was intending maybe he was co- intending to use the Tesseract to open a portal to get to Earth faster so that he could go ahead and get both of those stones. But the portal got closed. So either he would have, either the the invasion would have come more more quietly, probably led by Ebony Moss, or um, it wouldn't have come at all, and Thanos' arrival would have been a complete surprise. I lost track of the chat room for a second. I'm trying to catch up what people said. Let's say that Odin does get both of his sons up. What happens next? Um, If I were writing it, Loki would probably get banished to Earth. (laughs) Because. (laughs) Well, that's what... well, it, there's a certain there's a certain parallel there, right? Which was, you know, um, I could see um, Odin doing that because he just banished Thor to Earth for being naughty on Jotunheim. So Loki basically doing the same thing, a lot more. And Loki was a lot more effective at being naughty with um, Jotunheim. Could easily get banished for the same reason, right? Um, what would be interesting also is if maybe Odin wasn't getting through to Loki and and Frigga arrived to kind of knock them all three loose of, of what was happening and, you know. I've never really, I mean, other than the um, threat Loki... Well, not everything he did was legal. The thing he could easily get in, t- in trouble for was letting um, the Jotuns onto, during the coronation ceremony, onto Asgard. So, but yeah, after, after, after once he was, um, was he, I guess was he was regent. Once he was regent, he was, everything he did was legal. So, he, I, but I also never believed for a second that, Odin 
particularly cared about loss of life on Jotunheim or on Midgard. So that never really resonated. That Loki I think was in Odin, trouble for killing people. I think um, I think Odin was tired of war, and he'd gotten all that out of his system with Hela, and he just wanted to grow old and die in, in peace. Thor and Loki both were a little too much like Hela and like himself. But question. Yeah. It is curious. Um, Thor and Frigga. I don't think Hela is Frigga's daughter. Um, where the hell did she come from? And why is it <laughs> that Thor is the one that looks out? I'm just saying, it's like having two Doberman Pinschers and a Golden Retriever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and honestly, I mean, we talked. Loki is a hell of a lot more like Odin than Thor is. I agree. Um, I ha- we I don't know if we had this conversation on the podcast or did we, you and I just talk about this privately? But that there's a case to be made that none of them are Frigga's children. Um, that they're all that all of the kids are either half are either um, half siblings or you know they're they're children that um, Odin had with somebody else or that they are all foundlings. But um, well, in in mythology, Loki is actually Odin's brother. Right, but we can't. So, so we so we don't. If we're, if we're, so, so you it, can't take Norse mythology and slap it on top of the MCU because it it, it doesn't fit. Yeah, I mean, you could maybe draw an element like you know here and there, but for the most part, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's hard to make any, any kind of um, character profiles gel together when it comes to the MCU and actual Norse mythology, because um, yeah, those relationships are all fucked up. So I love it. I love it. I really like it when an author has um, like Loki or, or Thor or whatever talking about, um, you know, Midgard's perception of them, like talking about, well, you, know, you know. There's actually an Asgardian who's living on Earth in secret, and it's my headcanon that he was so pissed off and disillusioned with um, Odin and, um, and Asgard that he made up all that fucked up mythology to troll them. <laughs> We did a we did a podcast where Loki was the bastard son of Odin and uh, the Frost Giant King. Yeah, we did do a podcast about that. We talked about yeah, where that that Loki was um, actually Odin's son, as opposed to just a foundling. Um, I think one one of the other things we also had put out was that suggested was that um, um, Loki wasn't abandoned, um, which I think I would find that to be a fascinating idea. Was that Loki actually wasn't abandoned? That it was like some sort of ritual um, that he was left in this temple, and that um, 
the Jotun thought he was dead. Well, if that's the case, then if if he is a, if if he was taken, um, his different appearance, even when he's not wearing the glamour, he doesn't look like necessarily one of them completely. Um, you could say that Odin's magic corrupted him. Yeah, because he's too small to be a frost giant, um, and that. Odin used his own magic to do that. It'd be an interesting, um, interesting thing. But I do tend to like. I, I do tend to want, and this is just a. This is a, this is a, this is a personal quirk of mine, um, and it obviously is rooted in my own daddy issues. But I, but I like to to write about a good father, um, and so I would want to redeem Odin. And I know that seems impossible, especially if you include all that crap from mythology into it, which I don't, because um, I don't think it fits. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it but it it doesn't fit. And but then you know when it when it came to Ragnarok and Hela, I'm like, really? Because wouldn't it have been more humane just to kill her? But he but yeah. he couldn't kill her. He couldn't kill his own daughter, so he let his whole kingdom fall. He made Hela. He made Loki. He made Thor. He made them all what they are. Um, well, it's my head canon um, that um, the reason that um, that all 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 Odin had to do was was tell Loki about Hela and transfer the spells that kept her. Um, contained to Loki, but that he didn't trust Loki enough to do that. It's my head canon that that's why he took Loki. There's a scene in um, where where Frigga tells Loki that, that Odin does everything with a purpose. I think he saw Loki in that temple, and he saw in him the, the potential for him to, to wield and maybe even control um, what is called Odin Force while Odin wields it. And he wanted to raise him to stand in defense of, of Ragnarok, but um, he fucked up. Yeah, he fucked up. But here's the question. Did he fuck up because... He couldn't bring himself to trust Loki because he knew Loki was a frost giant. Was was his own racism really to blame for that? Because had he raised Loki, I mean, he tried to. I mean, obviously, you know, Loki Frigga wouldn't have allowed Loki to be mistreated the way he is in mythology, like getting his mouth sewn shut and all that shit. Um, so if I'm trying to redeem Odin and you want to do something subtle, which I think, I think you could do like a subtle thing to redeem Odin. Um, I would have to confine myself to what we see and what we know of Odin in the MCU and not let my headcanon be contaminated by comic verse or mythology because both of those right. paint a much uglier picture of Odin. I agree. 
Hella was not in a situation where she could have a conversation. If Hella was active in her prison, I don't believe Odin could have held her as long as he did. I think she was in some kind of suspended animation. I don't think she was conscious. Because I think if she was conscious, as powerful as she turned out to be, that she'd have worn down Odin long before Odin's actual death. Yeah, and Odin had a lot more on his shoulders than just containing her. He had he was con- he was protecting all of Asgard with his magic. So, if she's hammering on him day and night with the kind of power she had, I don't think he would have lasted very long. So I think she had to be unconscious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's put her in Odin's sleep so she'll have full strength when Odin dies. That's pretty much, I think, what happened. Well, there's a little, there's kind of something on the wiki that alludes to the fact that she, she was not at full power until she was on Asgard. That she derived her power there, and that that's why he was able to keep her locked in hell, um, or imprisoned there. Um, the wiki says she went to went to Asgard to restore her power. So if she draws her power from Asgard, that could explain why he was able to contain her if he got her off of Asgard. <laughs> yeah, Hell has an interesting problem in the um she's an interesting issue. In the MCU. I don't think it was a matter of intelligence when it comes to Odin's handling of Hela. I think it was the same problem he had with Loki. In that he had he had raised um, two children, both of whom didn't meet his expectations. One who met his expectations for hundreds, perhaps thousands of years, until he grew tired of war and decided he was done and she wasn't. And so he had the container, but he couldn't kill her because she was his child. I think that's the same thing with Loki, that he couldn't take Loki's life because he'd raised Loki as his own, and he loved him. And I don't think it would have been a good idea for Hela Hela and Thanos Thanos to meet because they would have probably mated. (laughs) Yeah. That's love at first sight right there. It was in, in comic book canon, Thanos is actually doing what he's doing um, for love. He's in love with death, and he's trying to prove to death that he's worthy of her. Um, <clears throat> it is death, right? I think so. Yeah, that's the death. Death is the comic book thing. I assumed that we're talking like death, like the cosmic entity death. Um well, yeah, Dark, it's it's definitely a selfish choice on Odin's part. I can't kill them. I'm just going to isolate them and put them in prison for a millennia. Um because he can't make that he can't make that sacrifice. He can't. I don't but you know what? Honestly, I'm not sure I could either. No. I mean because there's that hope of redemption. There's that hope that he'll he or she will will come back to you. 
And I don't think Odin was so far above that, that that he didn't want that as well, that he didn't want his daughter back at his side sane and, and, and I would say the same thing for Loki. He, he, he wanted, he wanted the children back he raised, but there was, there was no going back from that. Like Thanos is the ultimate incel in um <laughs> in comic book canon. <laughs> is that terrible? I should put myself in the corner. <laughs> well, in um in yeah, comic book canon, yeah. Yeah. But not not in the movie verse. But I mean, I think they I think that they tried to give him better motivations in the movie verse rather than just you know, his method of courting was messed up. Let, let me give the woman I'm after some extra work to do. But honestly, I think that's more viable than what he actually, what his motivations are in MC, the, the MCU, which is ridiculous. I'm going to balance the universe by taking out exactly all of half of all life. Therefore, um, we have half the people and now we have half the resources and we still have a fucking problem. I mean, yeah, it it all life was just a crazy. He, he but that that of uh, that made him seem nutty. It made him seem crazy, and he might have been crazy, um, like completely insane because he. Well, he is called the Mad Titan. Yeah, because that like clearly the destruction of his planet made him unhinged. I mean, that's I think that's that's what they're the message they're trying to get you to the takeaway they want you to have. Um. um is that he is he, he he became unhinged by the death of his planet, and that the method uh and I don't think he really proposed on Titan that they kill all you know half of all life. I think what he was proposing was that they cut that they cut their population down by half and 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 they didn't do it, and so now he's just irrationally trying to impose that on the rest of the world it universe it's it's yeah the rest of the universe it's thin it's it's very thin i buy the i can't get laid i'm in love with death um motivation more because well honestly you see that in reality (laughs) yeah but real motivation but if death is truly a cosmic entity um or i think death is a cosmic entity in the mcu Mm -hmm. um then all you, I mean, if one piece called a planet or two and it killed half the people, she shows up with a rolled up newspaper and smacks him on the nose. What the hell are you doing? This is not how you court. Send me some fucking flowers, yeah. you asshole. <laughs> yeah, keep sending me, sending me, giving me a bunch. I'm going to be busy for like an, an extra month because of this shit. What is the matter with you? More work is no kind of gift. <laughs> You think I'm? You want to give me a gift? Make me dinner. (laughs) Yeah, it's like he thought she was lonely or something. No, they didn't show animals or trees disappearing in the movie, but they did say that he wiped out half of all life, and they were very specific about it. Yeah. So, okay, so the subtle fix. So if we want to 
I don't know how to redeem Odin around Hela. Um, I have to admit, once I saw Thor Ragnarok, I had had several plot bunnies around, um, some some further along in the plotting process than others, several around specifically just on dealing with the Asgardians and like Loki's origins and all that kind of stuff. And then the Hela and her whole thing and what Loki had done and the way he had erased her from history and somehow nobody remembered her. It was just such a, it was just such a head scratcher for me. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. But, but it does not lean really... itself, but it, it it does let me feel a little bit better about how the fact no one knew that Loki was adopted. Um, I'm like, how did they hide that? But if Odin has the ability to, to erase that kind of history and to erase the presence of a crown princess from the minds of his people, then he could obviously just pop up with a kid that his wife didn't care and go, look here. <laughs> Here's my spare. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess what you do you mean? My wife is pregnant. She was huge for months. <laughs> Thor, you know your you know your mother being pregnant, right? No. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. Um, but we could have um, you could, not not we, but we could you could have you could have uh, you could brute what's going on with Hela in some sort of curse that Odin was never aware of um it could be maybe that one of the artifacts they picked up and they're early early on and they're conquering or something like that it could and that could be um the subtle thing right is like you could have um some artifact that they had collected from one of these worlds um when they've been doing their mad rain with hella that sitting in the treasure vault accidentally gets destroyed when the that destroyer thing gets set loose to kill the, the Jotuns who had snuck onto the into the treasure vault. And what if that breaks a curse that's on Odin's line or breaks a curse that's on Asgard in general? Um, but nobody knows that that's what happened. Except maybe maybe Odin starts noticing that Hela's not fighting him. She's not fighting to get out anymore. And he goes to see why, maybe thinking that she died. Um, yeah. And finds that she's no and, longer mad or whatever. And she's just, con- yeah, and she's just confused as fuck. She's like, what's going on? I mean, like, I remember stuff, but I don't remember what the why of it. <laughs> and then maybe it occurs to him. And maybe, in a way, it's a little bit it could be kind of a redemption arc for him because maybe he has suppressed the memories of his his people so much that there's a lot of magical knowledge that um, kind of got buried that could have helped all along, and that maybe when he lists the um, the spell that keeps keeping the mem- these memories away, that that and maybe they wouldn't understand. Like it could be like one of those mystery things. Like nobody understands why things are suddenly different, and it's when he lists this, you know, the um, um, the memory spell he's got on his people that whoever his oldest magic users are would come in and say, 
well, you had a cursed artifact that was never supposed to leave such and such realm. And by keeping it here on Asgard, and if Hela's the one who took it, the, the curse could have been anchored on her. Well, he did steal the Tesseract again because um, it wasn't the head of fire. He did it because no. that's how um, Thanos got it because Loki had it when he when Thanos attacked Thor's ship um, in the opening of um, Avengers Infinity War. But what would be interesting is what if Loki hadn't? Yeah, if he hadn't taken it. It wouldn't have been destroyed. It would have just been floating around in space, and then the Asgardians wouldn't have been hurt, and Loki would be alive. Because it, conceivably, you can't destroy an Infinity Stone that way, right? Yeah, the canon basically says you need another Infinity Stone to, um, to you need an Infinity Stone to. The thing about the thing about yeah, that saves Loki. Okay, so that's a fix it to save Loki. It also undoes some stuff, though, because I think that was a very defining moment for Thor that Loki really did love him. Because Loki gave up the Tesseract and his life to protect Thor. Yeah, the Tesseract is the space stone. It would have definitely survived the destruction of Asgard. Yeah, it would have just been. And the the at the the container, the the Tesseract portion of it. I mean, it, all of those devices Thanos destroyed. He destroyed the scepter to get the. You know, well, the, he didn't destroy the scepter. The scepter got destroyed when it became Jarvis's head or Vision's head. But he destroyed the Aether. Um, the orb was destroyed by the. Um, well, it wasn't destroyed. I guess they put the stone back in the orb. Mm-hmm. They opened the orb. He basically dismantled the trap. But whatever the infinity stones were stuck in, in some fashion, they had to come out to get in the gauntlet. So clearly the Tesseract, the, the, the wrapper that was kind of in a way weaponizing the, the space stone. Um, yes. And they also had cracked it. He just cracked it. He just like an egg and then the stone went into his yeah. gauntlet. Right. Yet, yet the MCU did address in Infinity War how uh, the destruction of an, of an Infinity Stone. Um, and it wasn't easy. Like there was only one way to do it. And that was, and I'm not, and I actually felt like it was a little bit sketchy that Wanda was able to destroy an Infinity Stone because that implied she had a lot more power than I think she does. Well, I think she could only destroy the the Mind Stone because her powers were derived from the Mind Stone. But even so, her powers are derived from it. She didn't make the Mind Stone. It's like an inversion of power that I think is bizarre. I felt like it was a reach that she was able to destroy that. But anyway, um, so the destruction of Asgard at most would have destroyed the shell that was the Tesseract and left the Space Stone floating around. And all, and clearly... Thanos had some kind of connection to the stones because he was able to find them, all of them, every time. So I think he would have just gone and picked it up, which wouldn't have changed much except for Loki dying for Thor. That's, that's the big change it would have affected. And you wouldn't, well, there'd have been a bunch of Asgardians who didn't die. 
Including my favorite. Yeah. Tim Doll. Yeah. Yeah. It hurt, didn't it? It just hurt. It hurt. And I think he's dead dead. <laughs> I think yeah. he's dead dead because he was well, the not, only way he's not he, dead dead is if they go back in time. Yeah. No, 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 no. The the Tesseract was not frozen with Steve in the Arctic. Not even in the Avengers. They've been using the Tesseract for quite a while to build weapons. They've been building weapons since before Thor landed, even though Fury lied and blamed Thor for the reason they activated the Tesseract in order to... um, it was because I thought it was because they found the Tesseract in the ice that they kept looking for Steve. Right. Yeah. Um, Howard Stark found the Tesseract, and now how it ended up in that alien's hands in, Cap- in Captain Marvel is anybody's guess. But um, Howard Stark found the Tesseract before he, before they ever found Steve's body. So no, it wasn't in the ice. But how alien chick got it? is up for debate. Well, she was a scientist. So it could have been that she just requisitioned it. And it got transferred to that project so she could work on it. I imagine she wasn't even the only, the, the, the first or the, la- the only scientist to ever kind of experiment with the Tesseract during that time. Um, but S.H.I.E.L.D. is the one that activated it officially, I think. Or maybe it was active with her, too. But it had to be because she used it to do, to make that engine. Well, there are several sites that say that... Okay, wait a minute. Okay, yeah. So this this one site says that, that apparently a lot of people have this question, and it says that um, Marvell acquired the Tesseract. Is anybody's guess? But at the end of the first Avenger, we saw it plunge into the ocean with Captain America, where it was frozen. But it wasn't frozen the same length of time as Captain America. While looking for Steve Rogers, Howard Stark found the Tesseract on the bottom of the ocean. He did his own Tesseract experiments on it before eventually turning it over to S.H.I.E.L.D. to study. That's how S.H.I.E.L.D. has it at the beginning of the Avengers. Captain Marvel is now suggesting that sometime between Howard Stark and S.H.I.E.L.D. or the events of the first Avenger and Avengers, Marvel was in possession of the Tesseract and using it for her own purposes. And it eventually ended up back in Shield's hands after the Infinity Hairball. I've got the video for you folks that shows Howard Stark finding the Tesseract for anybody who is concerned about that. But it it is a little bit it is, they, Tony they they made are, Ultron under the my, uh, um, under the influence of Wanda, not the Mind Stone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Pegasus was part of Shield, um, Shield. So yeah, so I think she had it 
I think she had it legitimately. Um, and well, then the, they tried to cover no... it all up because they couldn't find the Tesseract after the fact because she hid it on her ship. Yeah. So well, Nick had no cover problem up. gaining access, access to their base, and they weren't right. just going to let some... Yes, Ultron was in the Mind Stone in some way, at least in the MCU. That, that That's not how Ultron happened in um, the comic book canon. But um, Wanda is the one that influenced Tony, not the stone. Well, Ultron, Ultron, it, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, Ultron was a combination of the AI code that they had, were developing, the cradle being used, the that um and the activate it was all activated by Thor's by Thor's hammer. So there was a confluence of events that resulted in Ultron, but I don't know that you can specifically point to and the Mindstone was certainly involved, but I don't know that you can specifically say that Ultron lock, stock and barrel as a personality was the result of the Mindstone. It could be, but it's a little bit I, I think that that's an inference. It's not It um, also could be said that Ultron is actually a mixture of Jarvis and the Mind Stone. Yeah. Just like Vision is. The the yin and the yang. Mm-hmm. And Vision got all the good parts. I don't think Coulson or Fury knew what the Tesseract was um, in Captain Marvel. Um, they just knew it was important. I don't think they knew its origins or its history at that point in their involvement in S.H.I.E.L.D. I think yeah, they would find out much later what the, what the Tesseract actually was. Coulson was a new agent at that point, and um, Fury was just an agent. He was a field agent, so... Well, yeah, they knew it was something special, but that's they didn't know explicitly what it was. Yeah, it's kind anyway, of become Quark. my head cannon that that actually that Quark's a flurkin. Quark could actually be goose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But we're the thing is, we're kind of we've gone from we've gone from fix it to trying to make Marvel continuity issues make sense, work. which is which is like a. Uh, a bad job. So let's just move on. Well, it's, also, um, it's a whole side. It's, it's, it could be. A, it could be a whole podcast. Is how do you <laughs> how do you make Marvel make sense? Um, and the thing is, you kind of, however it makes sense to you. <laughs> but I think also figuring out these little details in Marvel and making them work for you is integral to the creation of a fix-it. Um, you have to, to make your own rules a little bit when it comes to the MCU because there is a lot of continuity problems. There's also a lot of problems with characterization where the character is this way in one movie and this way in the next. And um, Well, and I they was, don't I was show like, up. Right. The, 
Marvel Marvel not paying people to do cameos and stuff made for basically bad characterization for a lot of people. Like, why was Tony Stark in a fight with the Mandarin by himself? Um, right. So there's a lot of you know why didn't why didn't the rest of the Avengers show up when during the when the planetary alignment happened, um, and you know England was basically had a bunch of dark elves land on it. You know why? Where was it? And, and we know that in reality the issue was budget, right? They couldn't get all of the Avengers to come to all of these movies, but it still basically reflects poorly on the rest of the team that they're not there for some of these things. But what if what if during the movie? And it could just be a very tiny thing. What if you remember when we 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 one of us and I don't even remember which one sort of touched on this a little bit um, in our little um, one sentence things. What if when Steve starts talking about he's seen the footage? What if Tony challenged him right then and said, "What footage have you seen? What is it you've seen?" Um. What would that do? No. Um, we we both brought up the footage in a podcast once, and I think that you kind of um, gave me a little bunny that when I wrote it, um, it is brought up in my thick. It's also brought up in yours with Dom questioning what Steve saw, whether it was some you know, revenge porn or or whatever that got passed around to kind of you know smear Tony's name. Um, and I brought it up yeah, too, a- but I brought it up differently, and I don't remember how because that's been a while and I slept since then. <laughs> but it would be interesting. But also during that, see, the events of Avengers are so tight that by the time they're having their argument in the lab, things are moving so fast that I think as a writer, it might be irresponsible to stop and have an investigation about what Tony or what Steve saw in that footage, because they're precariously close to um, Loki's escape, Phil's murder, um, and the invasion. I mean, it is like right there on the cusp. I don't know about investigation, but I just mean, what if, um, Tony just challenged, because they, they had a big old fight right there. They didn't know what was going on, but what if Tony just challenged it right then, and maybe it doesn't all come out, but Steve could give some sort of answer that then gets Tony acting and thinking differently. Because it was just such an odd thing. Um, because what could he have seen about Tony Stark that would lead him to? In my think, it was like um, footage of his press conference, um, footage of him drunk in an Iron Man suit at his birthday party, uh, just footage of him being irresponsible and being flippant and being um, an asshole to Congress. Just cut in, just cut enough to give Steve a very bad impression of Tony, which is probably what I think she'll did in anyway. Okay. So it was the one I was thinking of. Actually, it was mine. It's weird that I can't remember my own story. It was everybody right? knows. And yeah, 
it was, and everybody knows um, Steve is thinking about how he had been shown press conference footage um, of Tony revealing that he's Iron Man and that he had been told by S.H.I.E.L.D. that Tony Stark had been asked to keep quiet about that so that in the interest of national security and the public safety and that they had you know, spun a, a story to Steve about how irresponsible it was that Tony revealed that and then Dave um, talks to you know, get, and Helen uh, set Steve to rights about why Tony might have done that. So that was actually what, what was going through my brain, which is kind of my headcanon about the footage they showed him that would have given him such a negative impression of um, Tony that contextually seemed to fit to me um, was about him coming out about, I mean, Iron Man. That he's, you know, a glory hog, he grandstands and that kind of thing. Something that I couldn't remember that was my own story. Um, <laughs> what if, I mean, what if, what if Tony just did more with that? Um, he asked, like, what, what footage? And t- maybe Steve can just say, when you did your Iron Man press conference, and he was, when, you came, when, you told the world, when you were told the world you were Iron Man. And that gets Tony to thinking, like, why would that have bothered him? Why would he even understand what was going on? Does he even understand what was going on? Who told him how to interpret that? Because he's clearly, you know, not at all with it. Look at what he wears. Um, so I think it could be an interesting moment for Tony to just kind of pause and go, what are you talking about? <laughs> but they all were, that was when they were all kind of a little bit being influenced by the, by the scepter, right? Yes. Someone mentioned earlier about Tony noticing Loki's eye color um, and when it changed. Well, what if Tony did notice Loki's eye color, like, immediately when they're having the conversation? And you know that part where Loki tries to use the scepter on him and he touches the arc reactor? What if Tony just punched him in the face? rung his bell and gave him a recalibration <laughs> the way yeah, cognitive re- <laughs> it's a cognitive recalibration <laughs> I mean just seriously just, just rung his bell maybe even used his gauntlet to do it because he is a frost giant and, and an Asgardian slash whatever so he's not like the average human so he might need a little more <laughs> that Clint did, and that and and Loki wakes up. <laughs> it's not how I meant it, in, because in that song, I think she's being sexy. But if you but if you ship that, then Tony could ring his bell a different way later. <laughs> I'm just thinking, what if they noticed even earlier than that? Had he already what killed if, a whole bunch of people in Germany when he's doing his little grandstanding? And he looks kind well, of pitiful, a, making them all trying to kneel for him. Did anybody else find that well, pitiable? Because I did. I thought he looked pitiful. 
It was terrible. Um, there was the dude with the eye, which was, ugh. Um, and then, of course, there were all the shield agents who died when he, when the, when the facility collapsed. Um, and they were talking about um, on the helicarrier after they captured, well, before they captured him, right? That he already killed 80 people or something like that. Um, but what if, what if Tony notices as soon as they bring Loki in, what if he notices just looking in the um, security feed and he asks Thor um, about it? Are his eyes always that color? And then you gotta ask you gotta ask yourself that. Why did Thor notice that Loki's eyes were the wrong color? What if that's your moment? What if when Thor and Loki are talking? Because Thor gets into a knockdown drag out with Captain America and Iron Man, but he doesn't really get into it with Loki. But what if he noticed right there on that little cliff that Loki's eyes were the wrong color and smacked the crap out of him? <laughs> Great, Margaret, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she says new headcanon Thor is colorblind <laughs> yeah but you could I mean talk about a subtle moment is if what if he just make more, Thor more observant where he's right there the first time he sees, really is having that discussion with Loki is he notices he's like what is wrong with your eyes punches him he grabs him he calls for him doll but he can't get off earth level without the Tesseract at that point Right. Also, that little device that they made that enabled them to travel back to Asgard, I always felt that was like a sketchy moment in canon because who constructed that device and where did the plans come from? Because right? even with if, – if people on Earth had the ability to quickly make a device to allow, to, you know, basically a dimensional bridge – um, to be formed from Earth with the Tesseract, you think they wouldn't have done it already? <laughs> so did he travel with those plans or what? He didn't travel with the device. He, there was no room in that outfit for that thing. Did Odin throw it down? Or and if he did, why didn't Odin just pick him back up? I mean, you know, here's, we have questions. But here's here's an interesting thing. What if when Loki fell... Neither Thor nor Odin believed he was dead. And what if Odin did the responsible thing? And he followed. Yeah. Okay. What if, oh, oh, oh. What if Thor fell with him? Is that a little ripple? That's not a little ripple. (laughs) That's not subtle. Well, no. It, but it, it no, I because I think to me a subtle change is like one decision being different, and Thor choosing to go follow Loki, fall fall with Loki is it is one decision. Yeah, it right? is. It is, and you know, and and Thor loves Loki. I mean, I'm not sure if any of you guys noticed this, but um, after he believed Loki was dead, Thor braided um, black hair into his own hair. Thor is wearing Loki's hair in mourning. He's braided Loki's hair into his own because he thinks his brother is dead. In um, in the next movie he appeared in after um, Thor 2. Yeah. I believe I believe Thor really did mourn Loki. So you could have 
Thor go after um, Thor go after him, or depending if you want to do the Odin, Odin, Odin could go after him. Um, I have a question, and it's a pretty ugly one. Okay, so it is my headcanon that Thanos probably tortured the fuck out of Loki. Oh, yeah. Because um, that, that's his M.O. That's how he creates his soldiers, his his followers, his minions. Um, he would torture the women, that the, the little girls that he called his daughters. Then Loki didn't come out of that. Um, so... Why the hell didn't Thor or Odin ask Hemdall if Loki was alive? Oh, Hemdall couldn't see Loki. That's why he didn't trust him. Right. Thor fell with Loki. Then Odin could use Hemdall to find them both. And he most certainly would. I wouldn't read 350k if it was finished, but if it's a work in progress and it's still 350k, I wouldn't even read my own work in progress that was 350k. <laughs> I'd be like, no, girl. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You can't read that until you finish it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a work in progress at 350k. <laughs> um, I mean, I did one that was like what 200 and something, and I said I would never do a work in progress because it's just me. It's 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 bad crap. So, you know. People are going. To, people are going to write epics and fanfic. It doesn't mean that that's a good idea. But I would never touch one with a ten foot pole. Um, that was a that's one of the reasons why I told ties that bind in novellas because I knew it was going to be huge, and I didn't want to um, tell it all in one story. But that massive Hobbit. I didn't read that massive fic. The one where they're all watching. Um, it's not finished yet, is it? I, I, I keep waiting for it to get finished. Where they're, um, where they're watching the, where Thorin and the company are watching the events of Lord of the Rings unfold. Are they all shipping Legolas and and Gimli, or is it just a couple of them? <laughs> Yeah, I haven't read that. I, I honestly, I don't, I can't think of the last time I picked up a story that was more than, oh boy, um, 200K maybe. I just, I just don't read them anymore. I, I get so, it, it, the rhythm of the story is so off to me that I find, start to find it distracting. So I kind of hit a limit, an upper limit with stories. And if, if somebody handed me a million words, a million word finished work, I, I wouldn't read it. I don't care if it's finished. I wouldn't read it. I mean, I would if it was in novels or novellas, but I wouldn't if it was a completed work. No, no. No, we're talking about a single work that you know people are talking mm-hmm. about that are a million words. I, I wouldn't do it as, as, a, as a single work. No. Uh-uh. Uh, because there's no reason. I can't not see to how it has structure. It yeah, doesn't. That's I, the I, problem. Yeah. There's no reason not to break a giant work like that up. No reason at all, except that the author hasn't quite figured out how to. I, I guess I don't know because I don't read them. I don't understand why they can't break them up into at least hundred or hundred and fifty or even two hundred thousand word pieces. Why it needs to be a million words? 
So, but, you know, I just, it, it, it's just, I try to, you know, like protect my headspace a little bit. So I don't, yeah. I think I'll probably the series that is long. probably my oldest, my longest single work is Darkly Loyal. It's 181K. And that seems, it. even when I was writing it, I was like, can I cut this anywhere? Can I cut this? But there was nowhere to cut it. But it's still 181K, which is kind of ridiculous to me. Yeah, I mean, my longest is Emergence, and the next longest below that, Emergence, I think, uh, 210, 212K, something like that. And the next one below that is 126, I think, because I learned my lesson. It's too big. I'm not doing it again. 150K is about my upper limit now. So for my own writing. But I just um, – Okay, that's actually making me a little feel a little sick, so I'm going to delete that. Sorry. Sorry. I got a really – I get really emotion sickness really easily, so. Um, but it, it, there is there, – sometimes there are really big stories that need to be told, but there are places you can stop them and move on to another piece, and you have better structure. There's nothing that's a million words uh, as a single work that has good structure. It's it's impossible. Um, anyway, so I agree that I, so there's a lot of really good points in the original Thor movie for a subtle fix it, and a lot of that is around the Rainbow Bridge. Um, and I think it would show Loki a lot if Odin came after him. Because I don't think he ever really doubted um, that Thor cared about him. Do you? No. No. I think in some ways Loki pitied Thor because Thor loved him so much. And he didn't believe he was worth it. I don't think Loki believed he was worth Thor's devotion. I mean, and, and well, even when Thor, I mean, even when Loki stabbed Thor, Thor was still like trying to to get him back. And even after he killed eighty people, he was like, "Hey, that's my brother. <laughs> Watch what you're saying." Even if he is adopted. (laughs) I don't know. But then what, I mean, that is, to me, when we talk about the subtle change, it's like a single moment that is the origin point, whether it's a thought or an action or just this one thing that is done differently. Somebody makes a different choice. Um, And I do like to make it around choices where, you know, they zigged in in canon, but in in your story, they, you know, they zag instead, or they said yes in canon, they say no. Whatever it is, just like a single moment of choice where they do something different is a very subtle way of approaching – a fix it. And the decision for Thor, and maybe you could make Thor a little bit more, um, like you said, a little bit more, when he, he falls, maybe it's because he's a little bit more of a thinker and he realizes that Heimdall will be able to find them. 
Maybe he says that. Maybe he looks at his father and says, find us and let's go. And goes after Loki. But then what would happen? I wonder how much Loki, because Loki did basically commit suicide. I wonder how much effort he put into actually escaping Thanos. Um, Because Loki can teleport. He can literally teleport. So why the fuck did did he stay? What did Thanos do to keep him in place? I, I would imagine Thanos had ways of controlling him. Because it it seemed really well, he had the mind stone, so maybe he got him when he was unconscious, and he didn't even try to escape. Could be. What, what would he What would he do if Loki if if Thor was with him? I think Loki I had think given he, up. Yeah, I think he would try. I mean, I understood Loki's angst in the first Thor movie. I really did. I mean, he he finds out that he's the... I mean, I think there was some petty jealousy of Thor and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but outside of that, he's been told his whole life that the Jotuns are the monsters under the bed kind of thing. And then he finds out he is one. What does he do with that? Because I think that was that probably one of... Um, Odin's biggest parenting mistakes was not stopping the way that, that Jotunheim was discussed and, and thought about on Asgard when he, when he chose to adopt a Jotun baby. Why would he continue to allow the Frost Giants to be, to be viewed the way that they were when he could have started a... And maybe that could be a moment, a, a, a very subtle moment. Is maybe it's a, a moment for Hela, not Hela, Frigga. Is she says if he, we're going to if we're going to raise this baby, we we have to someday he's going to find out what he is, and we we have to make sure our people are accepting of him. Yeah, so he. I mean, I. I actually think the mental manipulation thing is kind of ugly. I. I wouldn't actually want to write Odin doing any more mind rape than he's actually done. Um, so, I would probably just, you know, start a, a a campaign of speaking and thinking of Jotunheim better than he ha- they had. That's way back in the canon, like way back. I mean, does any of I mean, does any of Thor? If you go way back to how um, Odin raised Loki, does anything still go the same way? I would think it wouldn't. I mean, that's those ripples, right? Is that the the event? I mean, Loki could have easily, if he were raised differently, um, and if Odin does a better job there and there's less suspicion pointed at Loki, he could actually very easily have wound up king because nothing was going to cure Thor of being so impetuous at that age.
Well, but Loki finding out earlier isn't really it, – it's more about um, – I do, I do like the idea, uh, bizarrely, that Loki is Thor, is Odin's biological child. Um, are you there? I'm here. I'm listening. With what's his face? Um, I can't think of the, the king. Lok, uh, Lothi. Yeah. Lothi. Yeah. What? If, I mean, what if it was? What if the whole thing was? Um, your bastard is here. Come pick him up. <laughs> He stages the invasion to, to to rescue his child. And you have to be careful. When you're putting in a subtle fix, the further back you go, the the ripples just get bigger and bigger and bigger, which is great. But you've got to follow them through. Um, I've seen so I've read so many stories. They you know you you drop that pond that that stone in the pond, way way back in canon, and then there's very little ripple. And it's like hmm, that's not the way that works. Unless it's a completely ineffectual change, and then why did you do it? Right? Why'd you bother? I'm trying to, uh, I have a, I, I, I bunnied myself, so I've been thinking about it. I've been sitting here thinking about it. Um, Well, the fact of the matter is, is that um, I don't believe that anybody on Asgard has a problem with people being arrogant. I don't think arrogance is the issue. Um, They're all kind of arrogant. And the warmongering certainly isn't a problem. No, I mean, it's that he didn't follow instructions. Thor and Loki both get in trouble with Odin because they disobeyed their king. He basically put them both in time out. Mm-hmm. Not because Loki went to Earth and killed a whole bunch of people, no. Because he didn't do what he was told to do. And Thor wasn't punished for killing a whole bunch of frost giants. He was punished for not doing what Odin said because Odin is also arrogant as fuck so I don't think arrogance is the problem (laughs) he raised some disobedient children that's the problem yeah and they were disobedient for a long time because it's not like they were 15 years old (laughs) when this stuff went down Well, that I, I could. I, I don't like that. I've, I've seen I've seen that, but I don't buy it because that's doing a um, a direct equivalency to a human lifespan. It doesn't really make any sense. It implies that their brains develop super slowly and that they're basically all stupid until they're about a thousand years old. Um, Which would be ridiculous because Thor and I mean Hela was probably making war for Odin by the time she was a hundred. I mean, so. No. Yeah. So the direct those kind of, those kind of direct equivalency things that you see, I find that to be it's sketchy. Um, it's I would call it even a false equivalency. Are we still quiet? I, I'm still here. We're both. Pa- 
We're, I know we're both pondering. Okay, we're, people people in the chat room were saying we were both being quiet. I think we were both happened to hit a moment of ponder at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, because it's there's 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 lots of implications, and it's it's just really interesting. There's a lot of relationships in the MCU, especially in Thor, with with the family dynamic, because we don't get a lot of other family dynamics to play with, really. I mean, Thor's is really the only one. Um, that you get to explore where you, where you see those concepts of, you know, father and son and mother and son and brothers. Um, and that's, and that's really the only thing that we have to do that with. And it's really interesting. Yeah. And now one of the things I will say about doing a fix it um, of this type of the more quiet fix it is you've got to understand what your focus is because you're going, you're potentially when you do a fix it, like is your fix it, fixing Odin as a parent? Is it fixing Loki's life? Is it, I mean, you kind of got to understand what your lens is because you can get scattered as you're, because there's going to be a lot of ripples because you know how sometimes you have like multiple, you're cha- multiple, the more you change, the more things change. And it kind of all just becomes so big that if you don't stay kind of, focused you wind up being all over the place um so i think it just is really important to stay um jilly has all kinds of keyboard wrecks we can jilly has what keyboard um dart needs a new keyboard we can go to um the social chat to write about to talk about that later after the podcast if you want dark um i'm considering moving to a mechanical keyboard i don't know mm. they're kind of expensive yeah i'll post i'll post the link there of the one i cuz i've tried at least 15 of them but i'll post the link of the one i i recommend the most in okay. it's a very it's a very light touch and i'll post it in the social chat um after, sometime in the next few minutes um before between now and the end of the podcast um the, I would say that the, the latency on the podcast, it depends upon sometimes how you're calling in. Um, it can be as little as a couple of seconds to as much as 20 seconds or so. I've never seen a 40-second delay. That would be a little bit. Even even 10 seconds can be really throw you really off. Um, but when you, when you, when you do a, 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 a small fix, it a, a subtle fix, um, and it's hard for me to be specific because about my QB because that was the last one I did. But I ha- I had it in my I wanted there wanted to be a lot of things that got fixed that weren't my primary purpose. My primary purpose was one thing, and as a result of that fix, I had to keep tracking the ripple effects of this one thing getting sorted out. And this one thing did not get sorted out instantly. It was a process of fixing it. Right. And, but the further that thing went along, the more effect it had on the things around it. So, but it was important for me to stay on task to that main thing. Otherwise, I could get really distracted with these, I'll, we'll call them like side ripples. And it's important that I know that they're happening and weave them in where you can. But you can get really diverted into subplots a billion subplots when you are having small changes ripple out. And the same thing could be true in the MCU with a thing like, like 
trying to make Odin um, an actual A-plus parent as opposed to it being sarcastic, where he tries to be a better father. With every change you make, it has consequences to – because Odin is not an island. He's the king of an entire race of people and protector of the nine realms and a variety of things, right? So if when you make changes for Odin, even tiny ones, they can have ripple effect through thousands of people's lives. And it could have ripple effects on Midgard, on all of the um, nine realms, and even beyond. Because he is... He's like one of the least isolated characters in the MCU in terms of his effect on the things around him. So if I were working on a fix for Odin, which I've, every time we have a conversation about this, I'm tempted. Um, <laughs> if I were working on a fix, a fix it for Odin, I would have to be really careful to keep my eye on the ball. It's like, what am I trying to accomplish with this fix? And if it is a better life for Loki is just try to stay on that path and, and pick my subplots very carefully. Otherwise, you have a million words, and you've got a, a subplot going on in Jotunheim, and you've got a subplot going on, multiple subplots going on on Earth, and you've got something going on with Heimdall, and you've got something going on with Frigga, and, it can, and you've got the Hela thing, and, you know, yeah, you've got a million words. <laughs> it can explode. What are you pondering? I can, it's like I can feel your I'm, brain burning over the wire. Well, I was thinking about Frigga and motherhood, and I was just thinking how how did she respond when Thor and Odin came back and told her that Loki had fallen off the Bifrost? Yeah. She obviously loves Loki. She, she she loves him a lot. I I don't know how she didn't lose her fucking mind and make him go find him. Even if it was just a body. She's his mother. Then I thought to myself, well, what if she went and found him herself? Huh. And then I was like, I'm really digging this because what if Frigga gets there and is like, I don't like any of this shit I see. (laughs) I just don't like any of it. I find this really, really inappropriate. <laughs> what all this shit? <laughs> she was a Valkyrie, right? Yeah. Was she? I think so. And if she wasn't, you could make her one. <laughs> Author hand wave of destiny. But no, 
the all the Valkyries didn't die because there's a Valkyrie um, in Ragnarok. Um, and if there's one, there could be more. True, because uh, supposedly she was the only one who survived that battle, but it didn't mean that actually every single one of them were still were there. She was a warrior, and she was a war bride, um, I think, in mythology. And that, you know, and you can do what you want, because you're the writer. Um, I think it'd be really interesting if Rigo was like, no. No, you don't just get to decide my son is dead without a body. I want a body or my son. And if Odin ignored her, he'd trot off herself. And then, of course, you know, Odin would have to go get her. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I can just see that Himdall right now. Himdall, yeah. I need you to. Where's my wife? Ma'am? Okay. How do you, how do you I, my wife? I, Where'd she go? The Bifrost is broken. You don't need the Bifrost. You have the sword. I know how it works. <laughs> I'm going in yeah, that My wife! <laughs> I think one of the things... I think one of the things we see in canon a little bit that people really um, um, the people really um, picked up on is that Frigga is very good at getting around Odin without directly disobeying him. Um, So I think she's definitely the ask forgiveness, not permission sort. And she would, if she was going to go after Loki, she would just do it. Agreed. Agreed. Well, we call it pussy around here, Jasper, not poon poon or Christmas. Oh, what a terrible, what a terrible. Just if you if you must, Lady Parks. Hoo ha is is also acceptable, <laughs> but only as is allowed to say shame basket. Okay. <laughs> oh, and, and I still frown at her every time. <laughs> Jazzle. <laughs> That's like bedazzle. <laughs> The jazzle is those is those weird those ladies who use that they put that capsule up there that releases like that glitter. No, ladies, that don't put craft herpes in your in your vagina. <laughs> Why are you putting craft herpes in your vagina? No, no. So honestly, if, if 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 a term doesn't work for you, don't use it. And Lady Garden and Shane Basket will never work for me. Um, I, let's, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I, I'm I'm not going into any more euphemisms here now. Um, I actually prefer cut or pussy. Um, I will say vagina, but only if I'm referring to the actual internal parts of my body, because the labia and the the mons are not the vagina. Definitely not. The I outside want, well, I want to about, it's not the vagina. The inside is the vagina. For those of you who were not right. aware, <laughs> let's 
not be let's not be confused. So I I, I will use vagina clinically. I will use um, pussy or cunt explicitly. Um, but if I'm in p- delicate company where where pussy or vagina is not acceptable, um, hoo ha if I'm being amusing, um, lady parts if I am being very vague. And I am a lady, and they are my parts, so I'm perfectly fine calling them that. They're my lady parts. The bedazzler is like a staple gun, so yes. I am perfectly aware of what the entire exterior is called. Okay, moving on from the lady parts. All right. Um, so we got in it. terms of fix it, we got that part. So we got what? know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah. talking to the dude in the chat room. We got it. We know. I have one. <laughs> but I it's do have listeners who might not. So you know, it is unfortunate <laughs> that that Volva lost the V War, but it did um, since it was accurate. But there you go. Um, in terms of the subtle fix it, I I like I really I really like subtle fix it, especially when somebody follows the ripples really well, and there's not some bizarre resurgence of canon that doesn't make any sense. And be careful about that with your subtle fix it. Is that you if you've decided you want a canon event to occur in your fix it, make sure it ripples out to that canon event naturally. Because if it doesn't, it is going to land in your pond like a fucking boulder. Like, why is that there? And your pond won't be big enough to handle that boulder. No, it won't. It'll be bad. I see that with with fix it's both big and canon divergence. Because we're also coming up on a canon divergence challenge. Um if you're diverging from canon and you need a canon element to come back in, which happens, canon doesn't stop, especially in um, some fandoms, just because you've diverged, right? Like there are events that are still happening, whether your character is present for them or not. And so it's important to figure out what, what realistically your change will actually affect in the canon. Like if you're writing in a crime drama like... NCIS or um, Criminal Minds or whatever, and one of your characters isn't there anymore, like Tony Lees or Spencer Reed Lees or whatever, all of those crimes didn't stop just because that character wasn't around. So the question becomes, how do those crimes still get solved? What happens? Did things go differently if you need to feed those elements back in? Um, Kira's explored a few times the ripple of what happens if Rodney McKay doesn't go to Atlantis in some of her EAD stuff and in what might have been. Um, that is, that could be, I mean, that could be a single decision, which I would call a subtle fix that ripples into something catastrophic. But it might also not be catastrophic, right? Because if they send somebody competent, things will still work out differently, but they might work out. On the other hand, the city might blow up. It all depends upon what you do with it. <laughs> Please don't blow up. <laughs> right? Please don't blow up Atlantis. We would We like Atlantis. It would be terrible. I 
um, I don't know. I find the MCU very fascinating um, lately. So I've, so I've been looking at different fics to read. Um, I picked up a couple of um, MCU fics. Like after, I want to say it was right after Infinity Wars that were pretty far, it seemed like they were pretty far along to me and their works in progress. And I broke my rule about reading whips and I will never do that again. Um, you know, cause if you pick up a story, that has got a hundred thousand words in it. You think it's almost done. <laughs> no. Sometimes um, MCU fix, there's been a few I've read that were good, but some of them where they're kind of all the strong team dynamic, I feel like they're really ignoring, I feel like canon has been erased in a way, Um, which is fine. It can be very feel-good kind of thing, but I do feel like it's like alternate reality almost. It's, It's not really any kind of canon divergence. I mean, actually, there could be an interesting ripple if the city won't respond because John didn't go through. What if the city just basically all it would do is come up off the bottom of the ocean when it ran out of power, and then they had to leave the city and they're living somewhere else because John didn't go? That could be a really terrible ripple, but it could be there. Be very terrible. Be- well, there was a really interesting ripple that Tarlin wrote where the city would only allow gene carriers to stay on the city to the point where it dialed Earth and shoved everybody who wasn't a gene carrier back through. <laughs> huh. And um, McKay only got to stay because he had ancient DNA in him. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny That's as fuck. It's a good thing they. It's a good thing they had a good fuck before they left. Uh, okay, so somebody asked me what's the difference between a fix it and a, and a divergence. Um, I would say every every. Wouldn't you say every fix it is kind of divergent to some degree? Yeah. Because you yeah. have you're having to, fix, but not all canon divergence is a fix it. So it's sort of like it's a subgenre of a canon divergence. Some canon divergences don't fucking fix anything. So, you know, but I would say most of them do. Most people are are trying to make something better. They're fixing something when they diverge from canon. So I would think most of them are, but um, not not every canon divergence is a fix it. But every fix it is canon divergent, at least by our definition in the quantum bang. Because I've had people ask me things about, like, coffee shop AUs being used to fix it. And if you define a fix-it solely based on getting your pairing together, that's a really different kettle of fish than what the kind of fix-it we're doing, which is fix-its that have something to do with canon. To me, if you don't have canon to work with, you're not fixing anything. And getting two people together who weren't together in canon in a coffee shop AU isn't a fix-it to me. But if you get them together because you change canon events to bring them together, then that is a fix-it. But I think when you obliterate canon, you don't have a fix-it anymore.
Yeah, I agree, Dark. There is nothing subtle about the Team Iron Man fix-its. They, they don't even try to be. And I appreciate them for that. Because oh, sometimes I, when you're I, really annoyed. I, I, I keep popping off for some reason this evening. I don't know what's going on. Is it me and Skype aren't? No, it's Skype. Oh, me and Skype aren't friends. Um, I think the oh. fic where um, Atlantis pushes everybody who was in a gene carrier off the city is called Sentience. Um, and it's by Tarlin. And it's right there for those of you who might be interested in reading it. Um, and um, the city also um, wants them to make babies. <laughs> so keep that in mind as well when you're reading. I don't think it has any major warnings um, beyond that there could be. I don't actually remember if there's actual male prey showing up in this, but the the, the city wants babies, and the city is, is very intent on getting um, ancient babies. So, <clears throat> take that for what you will. Um, but, but Tarlon's an excellent writer, so I I recommend um, them wholesale. So, um, but just watch the warnings because they aren't as delicate as me. <laughs> We're down to five minutes. Can you guys hear me at all? I can hear you. Okay. Oh, it's fake wombs. I couldn't remember. It's it's been a long time since I read it. I need to go read it again. Um, one of the people in the chat room says that there's no male preg, but there are fake wombs. And um, um, I think there's some actual dubious um, consent regarding the creation of the children. So just keep that in mind. I'm such a creature of habit that if I don't have my tabs in the right order and I don't have them in the right order for this podcast, I can't find the podcast now. <laughs> it's got a little like, red. Why are on my it. why are my tabs out of order? I did put the keyboard links for you over in Little Shop of Horrors, but you will have to screw up above the uh, vajazzling to find it. (laughs) The vajazzling. Yeah. Canon prophecies and the ripples from your changes. So like... um, so, I, I mean, I can only speak to when I've dealt with having to deal with a canon prophecy and making a change. Um, it depends upon what you need the prophecy to do if you're making a change, and is there a way to reinterpret it? So, in Slytherin Black, it's going to come out eventually that the prophecy was always about Neville. Um but that Dumbledore's interference and his shenanigans is what put Harry in Voldemort's path rather than Voldemort going after Neville. And that, that, and that basically destiny had to kind of find a way to get around that interference to ensure that um, the prophecy could still be fulfilled. And that's why Harry became the master of death and the whole Deathly Hallows thing that allowed him to defeat Voldemort. So um, 
I'm kind of doing sort of like a reverse ripple, which is where they find out that um, the prophecies about Neville, um, and which will come into play um, when it actually comes to defeating the last piece of Voldemort, because it will be Neville who does it. So, um, well, he did it in canon too. Yeah, he well, did. He did kind of do it in canon. He destroyed Nagini. Yeah, he, he yeah. yeah, he was in, definitely did part of it. He was involved. But in where things are in Slytherin Black is that anybody's seen is that all the pieces but the, the specter of Voldemort have been destroyed. There's that one piece that's left out there. Um, and it, it will be kind of a surprise when when um, when Neville's the one who actually takes care of that, especially since Neville's a toddler. But in any case, um, no, I don't have Slytherin Black posted, but I think when it comes to the – when it comes to prophecies, if you don't need them, I would – hmm. Hand wave seconds. them. Yeah, hand wave them away, reword them. Um, but – you could ping me over in another channel or direct message me and let me know what pro- more specifics about it, and we could see what we could brainstorm for you. Okay. We're out of time, um, but we can um, do that thing she just said or do another podcast and talk about it some more. So you guys have a rest of the fantastic weekend, and um, – Eat some chocolate for me because I've I've met my limit today. Say good night, Julie. Good night, everyone. Mm-hmm.